0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Lunar Continuity, where we talk about design, development, and all the other crazy sort of stuff that we find online. I'm your host, Alex, and with me, as usual, the beautiful and fantastic Chris Perko. Hello, Chris. <laughs> beautiful and fantastic. Thank you. Um, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling alive, luckily. I've been uh, almost sick for, for an entire month. Uh, I've been battling bronchitis and fever and cold and... Yeah, it was, it was terrible, but I'm feeling great now, finger crossed. How are yeah, you? I'm doing good. I'm glad you're back because otherwise I would
1: never know how to develop Gutenberg because it's not documented well. So well, I'm very happy that you're back to make videos for me.
0: Yes, me too. I'm, I'm <laughs> excited. I'm not as happy as I usually am recording tutorials because yeah. of Gutenberg. It's terrible. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, it, it, a lot of things happened for both of us in this past almost mm-hmm. two months since we did the last episode, right? From my hand, yes, as you saw, I started the Gutenberg series finally, like lots of people were asking for it. And I thought since I've been building a couple of custom blocks and I redid my website all based on Gutenberg, I was like, <laughs> yes, I think I'm ready. I'm ready to record a tutorial. Sure. I was absolutely wrong. it's it's terrible like the documentation doesn't make sense sometimes i realize that i did something but when i try to explain it i Mm -hmm. don't know like if i'm explaining it right because it doesn't really make sense from a technical point of view what i'm doing but if i'm not doing that in it's not working so it's a lot of like for uh 15 minutes video i spent probably a couple of hours because once every two minutes there's a hiccup or i need to stop and yeah. doing some research to be sure that i'm saying proper things or the api didn't change or whatever <laughs> and the documentation is terrible so it's... oh yeah
1: yeah no i liked in that one video i think it might have been like your second second episode where mm-hmm you were like, oh, if you want to learn more about this, well, it's not in the
0: documentation, so good luck.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> just do as I did. Like, just crash yes. and destroy and try to fix bugs by going on Stack Overflow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's insane. And it's so convoluted. It's like 10 times harder than everything else you can do in WordPress. Even the mm-hmm. walker nav class or the settings API now seem... A joke, like, seems really, mm-hmm. really easy compared to developing for Gutenberg. And I, yeah. th- my fear right now is that I don't even know for how long, like, this tutorial series is going to be relevant. Like, how fast is going to be outdated, all the things that I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So, yeah, I'm in this conundrum, like, should I keep going or should I wait right. another year after the documentation is updated? But, yeah, I, I think I will keep going, but I will, I will leave it really like uh, higher level i won't go too deep into into the the, the technicality of mm-hmm. gutenberg i will try to do something really simple because yeah all those things will absolutely change it's it's insane
1: oh yeah you're you're definitely going to have to do like a follow up tutorial on like,
0: all right, how how to make Gutenberg in twenty twenty? <laughs> yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah. looking forward to it. Uh, what's happening with you with uh, CodeStage?
1: Yeah, so CodeStage, uh, we talked about it on the last podcast, and it's uh, kind of a way for you to easily, you know, deploy like a WordPress site or you know, eventually Laravel uh, to like a staging environment so you can send to your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, making slowly, making progress. I haven't had a lot of time to work on it. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, so I've mostly been working on the back end of it. So there's not really been anything to really show, you know. Uh at first I kind of started working on the UI and I was like, God, you know, <laughs> like 90% of this project is all back end yeah. uh, you know, getting servers up and running and partitioning it and all this stuff. So I've been working on that. Um it's slowly making progress. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get it to a point where the code base is understandable so like can like right now it's a private repository yeah um i want to make it public it's gonna be open source but oh, right nice. now if, if you were to go into it and be like oh i want to contribute you'd have no idea where to begin because mm-hmm. it's it's so minimal yeah <laughs> um so yeah i'm hoping to work on it some more uh this summer once i get more you know settled into my job and Aren't uh, you know reading guides and stressing at night on things that I don't know? <laughs> yes. Is
0: it built on top of Laravel?
1: I initially started building the project on Laravel. Mm-hmm. And when I got the job offer for this company, uh, I immediately switched. I kind of like abandoned that project and rebuilt it in ASP.NET with C Sharp. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm building it in as kind of like a, a way for me to you know, learn and and get better at what I'm doing in my regular job.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Oh, wow, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Like it's, especially, I'm really curious how you're going to handle like spinning up and booting up a server and then putting it down or destroying Mm -hmm. it temporarily or all these crazy things. That's really exciting.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm initially doing it with just DigitalOcean. They have a really good API for managing all the servers. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm hoping to, you know, make it more flexible to use, um, you know, like, uh, Sky SkySilk or, yeah. uh, some of these others that might, you know, maybe people want to use like their own VPS or something. Um, but right now I'm just kind of focused on DigitalOcean because that's kind of what I know. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping to make it more generic as, as uh, the project goes along.
0: Yeah. Nice. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, do you have any like average timeline, like potential timeline for our first alpha <laughs> version? <laughs> Oh, uh,
1: hopefully by the end of summer, I, I would love to. Oh, nice. um, But yeah. you know how us developers are. Oh, know? yeah. Lazy and so. unreliable.
0: Yep. <laughs> As usual, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting what you said about uh, making your repository ready for contributors and mm-hmm. just like having the code readable, because it's the main issue that we were experiencing with Akira, actually, which we've been working, I haven't done many tutorials recently also because I've been coding a lot on Akira and the team mm-hmm. behind that it's it's pushing a lot and a lot of people are engaged like the community is really engaged into the project and a lot of other developers are contributing to the to, to the Akira by creating PRs and shipping codes and the main problem is that The three or four of us working together and chatting, it was totally fine. As soon as someone else was coming in and pushing code and trying to propose changes, it was completely different because we completely forgot to create an editor config or a guideline on how to ship code or what we accept and what we don't and Mm -hmm. what all the sections do and all this other stuff. So that was... Kind of like the hardest part of managing uh, an open source project that a lot of people want to contribute to, it's specifying proper and understandable guidelines on how to contribute. Otherwise, it's just the wild, wild west.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're just shooting down pull requests left and right and we're having to make changes yourself and it's like you could have just coded it yourself at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. And even like the simple thing is that indentation by tabs or spaces two spaces or four spaces like <laughs> everyone has his yeah. own preferences right so
1: right and that really makes you know that's a problem when you come to you know cross platform you know somebody might be developing on linux somebody might be doing it on a windows system and the exactly whole different tabs is you know a nightmare
0: yeah it is uh but yeah no things are going great with akira uh, Finger crossed. Probably we're gonna have an alpha version in a couple of months, maybe. Nice. The canvas is almost done. I'm. I. I think I'm gonna be able to do a live streaming during the week, and some coding examples and show the status of the canvas and how it's connected to the layers panel, and all the amazing things that we achieved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh yeah, I'm. I'm super super excited. The, the the last part that it's the most complicated one is. Uh, wiring the canvas, all the objects to the file system or the save mm-hmm. manager that we have, because we're saving with a built-in Git history. So all the objects are going to, basically, we have a parser that everything gets converted into a string, into an SVG, and then converting to a save, into a JSON file. So it's easier for version control uh that's, that's that's the part missing, like converting the mm-hmm. canvas graphic object to a json string format and uh, after we achieve that, we can release a first hopefully stable version, but whatever <laughs> it's gonna be version zero point zero point one so no one expects stability of usability whatsoever. Sure, yeah. And is it going to be
1: on the uh, elementary store? Is that where you're going to be playing?
0: Uh, Yes, Uh, we're going to release it on the elementary OS. We already have a Flatpak generator automatic that whenever we we create a release, automatically generates the Flatpak and uh, we will upload this on Flathub. So every Linux distribution ever can install it through Flathub. And we also have a snap package uh, script that generates that, but it's a bit outdated and none of us know how to use, how to work with snaps. Mm -hmm. So we'll seek some some help and guidance from someone else. But yeah, the the purpose is to release it. Every time there's a new release, just push it at the same time on every platform, on every distribution. We don't want to just uh make it available only on a single uh, marketplace or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really cool i can't wait yeah yeah um it's 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 happening so excited (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna send you some stickers as soon as we we launch it oh yeah definitely yeah that's awesome um so what like i see in the notes here that you're preparing a new tutorial Mm -hmm. series for your youtube channel
1: yeah so um i have not really made a video in a long time I think mm-hmm. the last one I did was a, a just a one-off Fitbit video mm-hmm. um, but yeah I'm I recorded three episodes for the series yesterday um, and it's going to be an introduction to c-sharp and asp.net wow uh, so in this tutorial it's just going to be building a restful API um, pretty basic I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible to learn the language and the basics of the framework hmm Um, I think I'll do another series after that on ASP.NET MVC, which follows more of a similar pattern to Laravel, Mm -hmm. where you use razor pages instead of blade, uh, (laughs) to, you know, grab like your data from your controllers and that are in C sharp and put them on your HTML. Um, so I think I'm also going to continue this API series in an angular series and build uh, an angular seven or eight, you know, whatever version is out by that point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, on top of it to make a make a front end for the API. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so I had a lot of fun recording yesterday. It's the first time I've done it in a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to be a, a really cool series.
0: Oh, yeah, looking forward to it. This is, like, every time I see uh, tutorials from that level, mm-hmm. like C or even mm-hmm. C++, something, like, really more complex than just PHP or JavaScript, they're really boring, and a really long, like, tutorials of two yeah. hours, like, what the hell?
1: Yeah, and I think that, like, the .NET community, it's it's so different than, like, the open source community, and yeah. I think it's starting to change with Microsoft open sourcing the, the .NET to .NET core, yeah. um, but in the past, it's always been, you know, big corporations use .NET, and it's very closed source, and, you know, there weren't really, you know, there were some .NET meetup groups and stuff, but... It was just, nobody really contributed to things. A lot of my coworkers in these shops were, you know, they were the nine to five developer. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go home and that's it. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm not going to play around with anything. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think it's just kind of like a, a very different, this culture between .NET and, and a lot of other frameworks. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I'm hoping that this tutorial series is, is good and informative and, and uh, not
0: boring. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I will, so, uh, I will, I will leave you a comment below. It's like, oh, this is boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, no, really looking forward to it. Actually, like I have no idea. I know nothing about those topics, so I, I'm, I'm gonna be your guinea pig. I'm gonna tell you if yeah. I can actually understand. <laughs> it. I tried in the past to learn net and mm-hmm. C sharp, and no, like it was too difficult for me. So. I gave up. I think
1: one of the problems with C Sharp is uh, anytime you look up a tutorial or a problem you're having, everybody has like 10 different ways to solve it. Mm-hmm. So um, you're kind of left with just kind of guessing which way you should do it and yeah. stuff. Um, so in this series, you know, we're just jumping right into building a RESTful API. So I, I'm not even really starting with like the basics of yeah. C Sharp. Because uh, I think as long as you just understand object oriented principles, yeah, um, it's a pretty easy language to pick up.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah good good stuff man yeah i'm really looking forward for your being back on youtube Missed, miss we missed you
1: i think i'll release the first two episodes probably later this week maybe thursday nice um and hopefully get a couple more in the queue so i don't i can kind of release them every few days as opposed yeah. to like here's an episode and then i'm like oh i don't have time to work on this
0: <laughs> oh yeah tell me about it yeah i know <laughs> that always happens to me yeah it's terrible terrible uh, okay, so let's jump on the news. Of course, there have been um, millions of different news in the past two months, but we cannot tackle them all. We just group all the more recent news that are related to web development, which are really interesting, and just like a smil- small bits and pieces that we found. The first one that I I was really shocked by this, but then it kind of like makes sense, <laughs> is the availability on chrome version 75 then it's going to be released probably in the next month of the built-in image lazy loading uh just a native you simply in the image tag in your markup html you just write uh loading equal and you can specify auto eager or lazy and that's it it works out of the box it, it, you need to You don't need to include anything. You don't need to include all these uh, scripts like JavaScript or external libraries to have Mm -hmm. lazy loading. And I was shocked because I'm like, oh yes, okay, everyone uses lazy loading. Like the entire web is basically (laughs) lazy loading. But the fact that Chrome is doing these, like what's Mm going to happen is other browsers will... uh, catch up to this and also firefox or edge well edge probably is based on chromium now so it's gonna have it but they're gonna implement it or we're gonna be forced to do to have a condition like if the Mm -hmm. browser supports the lazy loading download the javascript or if it doesn't load the external libraries does these makes things easier or it makes them more complicated?
1: Yeah, I, I really hope that other browsers do implement this in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, I mean, the web's been around for, what, 25 mm-hmm. plus years? It's like, why why has it taken us so long to get to this point? Yeah, <laughs> um, I feel like this is something that browsers should just handle on their own. Like, oh, it's not in the viewport, don't load it yet. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really hope that other browsers you know, pick it up really soon. Because it's going to be a pain to have to be like, oh, well, this part works on Chrome. And then, like you said, we're going to have to pull in another JavaScript library. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I kind of see this movement of, you know, a lot more people are using just vanilla JS instead of jQuery. And if we can have more in just HTML that is native to the the browsers, mm-hmm. it really makes everything a lot lighter and a lot easier to develop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree with you that browsers should handle more of these things, like, more Mm -hmm. regular and simple things. So, yeah, that's a a really interesting addition, and hopefully it's not going to be just, like, limited to Chrome, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next bit of news, do you want to talk about this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, an interesting one. Uh, So, Laraberg, which is a project that brings Gutenberg to Laravel... um, (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I still feel like, you know, Gutenberg on WordPress isn't even like ready, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And now everybody's trying to implement it in all these other places. And you know, I do like from writing a blog standpoint, the Gutenberg editor. Yeah. You know, there's some folks here and there, but you know, it's, it's, it's a nice uh, UI and everything, but I don't know. It's just, it's such a mess for the developer and, Mm -hmm. and to be putting into Laravel and you know, I'm seeing like JavaScript libraries for
0: it. It's just like
1: uh, let's just slow down and like, can we come up with something better? <laughs>
0: yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I guess like everyone is jumping and implementing Gutenberg. Also, the Drupal <laughs> community is porting the Gutenberg yeah. project to it because they kind of like. It's made by WordPress, so it's going to be around for many, many years. So we can implement yeah. it. We're going to save from the point of view. Yeah, but I agree with you. Like, it doesn't feel ready. It doesn't feel stable from a development point of view on, on WordPress itself. So why implement it somewhere else? I'm curious also, this implementation, How going to handle saving the blocks mm-hmm. in in the laravel database because with the wordpress implementation of gutenberg we have this limitation that it saves as a string as like converted html so you have a sort of like built-in server-side loading of your yep. javascript blocks but then it's totally static the beauty of a laravel project is that you can have a front-end fully built-in react or vue.js mm-hmm. and have dynamic and ma- maintain the reactivity and also have server-side rendering so like what's the the point of these implementations just to have a nice right. back end to write things maybe uh, <laughs> i guess so. uh, you know, I,
1: mean, I mean there are some you know just like old style WYSIWYG editors that you can you know just the front end part of it that saves it as just HTML and you can mm-hmm. print it out later. So I'm—I don't know if it's just that's what's going to happen. Yeah. But since they're saying it's for Laravel, it makes me think that it's going to be more of like a like a PHP package. Mm. So,
0: I hope so. I don't know
1: how it's going to work. I—I I didn't look at. I don't know if the code is open source. I didn't actually look into the code and how they're handling it. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Not I'm not a fan of Gutenberg in terms of development. So. Yeah, not at <laughs>
0: all. It's just yeah. Uh there's a quote here from the CTO of this project, like if Gutenberg Cloud can serve as a proof of concept that WP.org can later adopt as their own, we are happy. So they're pointing to the fact that Gutenberg is evolving to be a standalone framework and CMS agnostic. Eh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I read that to register one single block you have to write it and register three functions in three different places it doesn't right feel promising but yeah and then you got to register the javascript that you then want to in- import in your javascript mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. oh it's a mess <laughs> yeah it's okay let's keep, maybe we should focus to something else but whatever it's fine <laughs> uh moving on there's um we know that google like the mm, Tagline of Google, don't be evil, doesn't apply anymore and hasn't been applied (laughs) anymore for years and years (laughs) now, unfortunately. But there's an interesting article from the former Mozilla general manager. Uh, His name is Jonathan Nightingale. That he says he's stating that he has proof also that Google sabotaged Firefox to boost Chrome. And this is kind of like an old news. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like general knowledge that a website, especially if it's a website made by Google, works Mm -hmm. better on Chrome than on Firefox or Edge. But we never had like a list of technical reasons. Hey, this is what Google is actually doing to... Uh, damage the other browsers. We we always thought about, yeah, it's an in-house website, so it's optimized for this. It's normal. Mm-hmm. It's something that they built on top of their own browser, so it works better. But the article is really interesting because um, it tackles also the partnership that Firefox had with Google and Mozilla had with Google. So Mozilla had this partnership when uh, uh, they could use the search engine on the first page of Uh, Firefox when you open the first page And directly since like Immediately from the first page Already some bugs were Happening once every two weeks or something They Mm -hmm. had a partnership, a specific Tool on a specific page and they were Having technical problems And they were of course contacting The Google team, like the Chrome team uh, And the Chrome team was like Answering like, hey, oops Sorry, there was an accident, we'll (laughs) fix It in the next couple of weeks uh, it gives yeah. an example on the, the YouTube page load. The YouTube page load it takes five times more in uh, Firefox and on Edge than in Chrome because YouTube Polymer's redesign relies on the deprecated shadow DOM API that would have been in, implemented just in Chrome. And then they found out that sometimes the team adds random divs, especially like on YouTube, there's an empty blank div that it doesn't like has no purpose is just just there because it created issues for edge and uh, firefox that they had to release super quickly patches in order to avoid these empty blank div covering the entire page so all these kind of like weird stuff mm-hmm. that this guy of course says i don't believe that the development team of google chrome is so is that not capable of understanding this thing like it, it feels like something that it's done on purpose
1: oh yeah i mean the developers at google are some of the best in the world yeah so yeah it's uh oh that's crazy and i mean it's like you know it is a competition i you know i understand them wanting to make it you know better on their device mm-hmm. but at the same time like you know why not do that in the terms of the javascript engine you know like Oh, your JavaScript engine is already faster than Firefox. That should be enough. Yeah. But then, you know, of course, Firefox came out with like quantum or
0: whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, it's sketchy. <laughs> it is pretty sketchy indeed. I agree with you. Like competition, it's fine. But competition should be that you optimize your own tools to make mm-hmm. them perform better than the competition. It's not that you slow down on purpose. The, the pages to yeah. to damage other. like it's even shitty for users it's not just to like to to, to i don't know compete with, with oh yeah
1: i mean um uh what's it? amazon prime actually it's mm-hmm. uh, an example that uh this drives me crazy because um so we do have amazon prime mm-hmm. and with amazon prime you get streaming um, so at home we have a Chromecast, which works with like any other streaming app like Hulu or, or YouTube or yeah. Netflix. But because Amazon also sells the fire sticks, they will not allow, uh, they, they don't have a Chromecast ability on the prime app. Oh. And on top of that, uh, one thing that Google does with, with Chromecast is you can go to a website and you can cast your screen. You can cast the browser to your TV. Yeah. Yeah. If you try to do it on an Amazon prime streaming video it will act it somehow knows and it will cut your video off oh, and it'll say this is unavailable oh my god and I'm like I'm already paying for for prime service yeah and now you're going to make me get a fire stick just so I can stream this to my TV yeah
0: it's crazy like <laughs> everything it's okay to make more money <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. destroy your competition no matter what yeah it's just insane it doesn't doesn't make it, it's the web it should be open especially for these silly things like mm-hmm. you're already paying for a service and you should be able to use it whatever it's stuff that you mm-hmm. paid and you yeah uh, it's a subscription, so you don't own anything technically. But right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. Oh my god! Yeah, but it's it's insane. We'll see. And this is kind of like connected to the next news, mm-hmm. which we'll see what's gonna happen with the news version, the new version of uh, Microsoft Edge that it's based on yeah. Chromium. So I've downloaded
1: the beta, um, and I mean, it just it just feels like another Chrome, but <sighs> like so. I I was really kind of excited about this because there are some things on Microsoft Edge that I I really like. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as a browser, it's, you know, a little bit slow, but when you're using it on a Microsoft, like a laptop that's running Windows, uh, it does use less battery because you're not got all these plugins and everything. And it it matches well with the OS. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple features there that I really liked. And one was the ability to like if you had a bunch of tabs open to like stash them into this little drawer that you can't see. Hmm. So you can kind of like, Oh, I'm gonna stash all these, these tabs. I'm going to come back to them later. I don't really want to close them. I just want to clean up my UI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was another feature that allowed you, and I'm sure there's a Chrome plugin for this. You click it and uh, it allows you to draw on a website and then you can save that entire website as an image. So, oh. you know, if you're working with somebody and you're like, Oh, you know what? Like, like looking at a, like a development version of site, I want to circle this. I'm going to move this over here. Let's change these colors and you're drawing on it. Mm-hmm. There's like a really cool feature for that. So when I downloaded the Edge Chromium, I thought they were just going to take Chromium and kind of add their own features like that in there. And unless they're going to do it in the future, there's none of that right now. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like a very bare bones Chrome browser. Um, With a
0: skin on so, top to make it look like yeah, Edge.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it still didn't even really look that much like the uh, Edge version. So I don't know. I, I was not very happy with it. Um, you know, I'm sure they're just going to have downloads just because it's going to be like, oh, you know, this is Microsoft's browser. So when you install Windows 10, you get it. And and like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know how they're going to continue saying how much better it is than Chrome because that's what you would always see yeah. whenever you would load Windows 10. You try to install Chrome. It'd be like, oh, Microsoft Edge does better on battery life. And yeah. it does. But it's like, what are they going to say now if you try to download Chrome? Like, oh, you're installing another browser. That's that's the same thing, but but better. Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah. And also, I'm curious to see how Google is going to react with that. Because in the article, it stated that the mm-hmm. developers at Microsoft are working directly with a team at Google to mm-hmm. expand and build on top of Chromium. But, like, so... Will Google adopt the same technique that it adopted with Mozilla Firefox, so like damaging Chromium in order for right. users to switch to Chrome? Or yeah, where, where's the the selling argument here? If both browsers mm-hmm. are basically identical, it's just like a visual skin. Like, what's the what's the selling point? Maybe Microsoft could say, "Oh, we optimize this version of Chrome for Windows" or something like mm-hmm. that. But it's still yeah. like it's a stretch because it's the same browser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting. Um, I was just I was not impressed with the beta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're contributing to the Chromium project anyway. Like there are 150 commits accepted into Chromium, uh, which, yeah, I guess Microsoft developers, they can improve the open source Chromium mm-hmm. version. But yeah, I don't know. I just switched totally to Firefox so I don't care about this anymore
1: (laughs) yeah I've been going back and forth I'm I'm using Firefox on my phone and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of going back and forth on my computer
0: um, you know so I guess that's just
1: a bit to get used to because I was on Chrome for so long (laughs) oh yeah
0: exactly still I have issues with Netflix. Netflix is still mm. a bit clunky sometimes of Firefox, uh, which is annoying. So I have Chrome just to literally just to watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Did
1: you change the name of the application icon to Netflix? And uh, it automatically <laughs> open the Netflix site?
0: I could do that. That's, that's yeah. a really... So I know that it's just for Netflix. <laughs> yeah. An entire browser just for Netflix. Yeah, I could definitely do that. That's a really good suggestion. <laughs> I even changed the icon to the Netflix icon. Yeah, exactly. So I don't get confused uh, using another <laughs> browser. Uh, okay, these are all the news that we wanted to talk to you about, guys, um, over this, this little episode. Now we can jump directly to our main topic, which is related to uh, something that happened in our life pretty much at the same time, which is kind of yeah. crazy. <laughs> but we both changed job. I've been hired as the lead UX architect uh, Thunderbird, the Mozilla Thunderbird email client, and you, Chris, what happened to you? Uh, I took a job as
1: the lead software engineer at Emory University here mm-hmm. in
0: Atlanta. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah,
1: about the same time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly, like a couple of weeks apart.
1: <laughs> yeah, was... yeah, because I remember uh, you messaged me saying that uh, you mm-hmm. were interviewing at
0: Mozilla, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I I was just talking to somebody at Emory. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so we want to go through this process. Which, of course, every time we like, it doesn't matter your level of experience or for for how many years you've been into this industry. Every time you change job, is still it's a hustle. Like you have to mm-hmm. almost start from scratch, especially in human interaction. And the interviewing process is always weird because it's not unified. Everyone has his own idea of how interviewing should go. Uh, so let's let's dive into it, and hopefully, mm-hmm. all this information will be helpful for uh, for anyone that it's listening. But you want to start up talking about your interviewing process because I personally mm-hmm. never worked for a university as a lead developer. How how? Yeah,
1: nice? this is this is my first time. Uh, the interview process there was you know pretty straightforward. We had uh, uh, one technical interview with the director of uh, information technology. Mm-hmm. Um, And then a project manager who has a lot of software development experience. Mm -hmm. And then another guy who I'm working with currently, and he's a consultant working at another company for Emory, as uh, he was like the only developer on this project. So Mm -hmm. the way they worked is they were like, oh, we've got an idea for a new project, but we don't have any employees. So they just kind of outsourced everything to these consultants. And then once they got got traction, then they started hiring full-time employees. So um, kind of jumping on like at the end of phase one, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So I had a technical interview with them for about an hour, um, you know, talking about experience and and it, it wasn't that difficult, really. It yeah. was it was more like big picture stuff. Um, and then I had a second interview uh, a couple weeks later, and that was more of like, um, I guess, more of just like a general interview. It was mm-hmm. with the woman who was in charge of the entire project that we're working on it's it's a big project we're actually even sponsoring our own conference next oh, month no it's way two-day conference yeah so i'm going to it it's it's really mostly for like physicians and nurses so i have no idea what they're gonna be talking about um <laughs> but yeah i'm spending two days there uh and then the guy above
0: her was also there and uh in the in the like in the technical interview did you have any coding challenge like specifically they ask you to look at some code or to write something or it was like a more generic technically uh, so
1: not for emery uh i was i was simultaneously interviewing with a, a few other companies Ooh. and the other ones all sent me um these code challenges and they were like the first one i did i was like this is kind of fun it kind of reminded me of the challenges they had at laricon last year uh-huh. where they're just like puzzles and you have to figure it out but i had one for a php position mm-hmm. and it was a nightmare really it was horrible. So I got it an email and they're like, all right, you know, schedule, you know, sit down when you have like an hour free because it's a time test. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to have six questions for you. Each one has a different amount of time that you have to solve it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, fine. And then, they were, and then they said like, uh, everything on here is going to be, uh, I think they said PHP 5.6. Okay. I don't think it was seven, but it was at least somewhat modern, you know, yeah. somewhat new. So I was like, all right, sure. No problem. I'd We'll see what they got, you know. Mm-hmm. I open up the first question, and it's like the first one. only had ten minutes, and it was like you had to. It had a class with a constructor in it, and you had to like solve a problem, add a couple methods in it, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at it, and I was so confused by the code. And the constructor looked really weird. It did, it didn't look like the constructors I've ever seen in PHP. Really? Um, and so like I was playing with the editor, and I kept telling me my code was wrong, and it wasn't correct and i was like what is going on i ran out of time i didn't even finish it and it jumped me right into the next one and i still had more problems with that one and so after i finished this hour-long thing where i got like i don't know two or three of these questions out of the six right Mm -hmm. um i started googling and found out that the way that they were doing constructors were the way they did it in php3 what yeah so I was like, well, no wonder like I'm pasting this stuff in a PHP storm and it's like, I don't know what you're doing. Like this is it's all screaming wrong. at you. Yeah. You know, like trying to like solve this. I'm frantically, you know, typing on my keyboard because I've got this stupid little timer that's counting down. and even talks to you. It's like, you have two minutes remaining. I'm like, no, <laughs> give me more time. <laughs> and I still, I don't know why, but it's like, even after I completely failed that, they still brought me on site for an in-person technical interview. And uh, I was just like, why in the world is this this is
0: terrible like, did you ask was... them did you ask them why did you send me a php3 constructor
1: yeah and they were like oh it's just something we send to everybody we haven't even really looked at it but like, well, you need to like it's, it's horrible. Like, oh my god yeah it was like the most stressful hour of my life is just trying to look at this code that i'm like this isn't this is not legit php code i don't understand what this is um so yeah, those were I think the only two places that sent me code challenges. Was the one that was actually enjoyable, and I was like, "Sure, this is fun." And then this one that was just a complete nightmare. Oh my god! Oh, do you have any challenges at Mozilla, or was it more of just interviews?
0: Yeah, that was most most interviews because it's interesting how uh, my my process at Mozilla went in, especially interviewing stuff. Like I had first uh, sort of like introduction conversation with uh, with one that like one a member of the council but even this introduction like little chat was already super awkward because it started with no we know you we know what you do and just we want to hire you that's it mm-hmm. and this is all because of all the open source project that I've been doing all the YouTube videos and all the things that I've been releasing mm-hmm. so uh, they already knew me they already quote unquote knew my personality for how I present myself online and they knew the code. So my technical interview was really, please send us code that is not in your GitHub repository if you have something else. (laughs) Otherwise, we're gonna just check your GitHub repository if you wanna highlight some projects that you feel more comfortable for us alighting, like more modern stuff. But other than that, it was really, they asked me during the technical interview, it was with the the lead developer of Thunderbird and then the uh, lead developer of uh, the build system. They have a really complex build system uh, Mm. that it's tied to Mozilla. So there was also that guy taking care of that. Uh, And they asked me just a couple of really generic questions like, what do you do if uh, your code is working and then a couple of days after your code is not working anymore? Mm -hmm. And my answer is like, I checked the commits and it was like, yes, good answer. Next question. It was like really (laughs) like this, really like high level, not really technical. It was like generic behavior of of Mm -hmm. a developer. And yeah, I, I kept thinking about this and it's the first time in my entire life that, I never had to do a technical interview or I never had to explain or Mm -hmm. like answer to those stupid questions. Like what's your Mm -hmm. level of PHP? Like how comfortable do you feel (laughs) with JavaScript? Like what kind of, like how am I supposed to answer this? (laughs) Like I'm really good. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, having the, my source code available uh, it was it was wonderful. Like I didn't have to explain anything, and they saw what I was able to do, how I wrote the code, how clean my code is, and all this kind of stuff. So it was a really particular technical interview because I never had something like that. And from this point of view, I, like I, a lot of people, especially non-technical. Developers are like developers that are not in the open source environment. They always tell me why you keep releasing all your stuff for free. It's such a waste of time. Like you, you spend a lot of time in this and then you put it for free. You should sell it. You should keep it secret and you should just apply for a higher paid job and stuff like that. But it paid off. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. I I think that that also speaks towards like uh, if you're
1: interviewing for like a junior position, um I think those interviews from the interviewer standpoint can be more difficult because unless they just have a bunch of projects and they just haven't had a job yet, yeah, it's really hard to gauge how technical somebody is by just talking to them and it's like, oh, you know how you know what an interface is, okay, yeah. great, like you know well, you know it doesn't really <laughs> yeah, doesn't no. really mean much in terms comes to actually building a project so exactly um, yeah so yeah if you're a junior looking for a job you know definitely try even if you just have like one or two projects to put out there just so that it'll it'll make the technical interview a lot easier
0: yeah exactly and also like uh, a suggestion i want to give for non-native english speakers like if you're if you're like me you move from another country to an english speaking country and you're applying Mm -hmm. for a job a lot of issues that i have in the past when interviews were Literally like language related. I didn't know that an interface was called an interface. I didn't know that the tilde symbol was called tilde because in Italian it's it's different. (laughs) Like all these like small things that they throw you off. uh, I was able to overcome those by saying, I'm sorry, I'm not really comfortable with English, but take a look at my source code. Oh, a constructor. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know what's a constructor. I don't know how to explain a constructor or a scope variable or like a scope right. method or a prototype in English. I don't know how to explain it. But look, I built it. It's here. My code will speak for me, which was really helpful. So definitely, yes, just have fun in doing some open source project and putting your source code out there. Even if it's not perfect, yeah. will help you. Definitely.
1: Did you uh, by, ha- by chance work with any recruiters? Mm-hmm. Uh, only once. Or you said
0: they just kind of came to you? Yeah, Venezuela, not for, right? not for this role, but when I moved here in Canada, yes, I, I met with a recruiter, but it didn't work out actually. It was offering mm-hmm. me a lot of positions that weren't in my realm of knowledge. And it was crazy. Like when I had the, the, the interview with the recruiter, he looked at my resume and started changing my resume to bump it a little bit to, to mm-hmm. like, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable with that. So I stopped using it. And did you use a recruiter? I did. Um,
1: I, I did not get the position through Emory through a recruiter. Mm-hmm. I just, uh that one I actually had found online um over Christmas break. Cause I was so jealous of my wife getting like a full week off at Christmas. And I was like, I want to see if they have any jobs, you know, because I haven't like applied there. That's your main uh, reason of changing jobs. Yeah. (laughs) Vacations. Yeah.
0: That's a good reason, man. Yeah.
1: Um, But yeah, so I did work with a recruiter for some of the other interviews. And um, when I got the offer from Emory, I had a competing offer from another company that my recruiter got me in with. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, I know they get paid when I take the job that they have, led me to yeah so he was really pushing me to take the other job and the other job paid a little bit more but they would require me to be in the office for two full days a week mm-hmm. and the office was on the other side of Atlanta so it was going to be like an hour drive there in the morning oh. an hour drive home and I just was not thrilled with their technology mm-hmm. and I told him I was like one of the things I'm really looking for in a new job is getting into newer technology and this company they had told me like oh in the future we want you to be like the lead ui guy and, and lead up our front end development uh but at the time they were doing all just just php with mm-hmm. some jquery and i was just like you know i really want to get into like vue js or like anything more modern in in front end framework and yeah. they're like oh well, i can't promise when that's going to happen and so i was just like you know i i can't I can't drive that far for a, if I'm not going to be getting it to newer technology. Yeah. Um, but he was really pushing me for it. And then like, just like a week ago, he called me again and you know, I've been at Emory for about four weeks at this point. And he's like, Hey, they still want you over there and they're offering you an extra, like $10,000. <laughs> like, no, like I, t- I don't want to work there. Oh, I was like, that's nice. But you know, um, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, they can be quite pushy when, it, you know, they're, they're salesmen in a way they, yeah, they exactly. sell you to companies and then they try to push you. They try to sell the company to you. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, they've got great benefits and they have such an awesome, you know, like mm-hmm. uh work area. And it's like, well, I have an awesome work area at my house where I can just not drive. <laughs> yeah. My so. commute is 20 seconds.
0: So yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Have you, uh, I, I don't know, like, how it works in the United States, but are recruiters supposed to know the technology that you're getting hired or that are helping you nope. to find a job? That's the <laughs> thing, right? Even Like, even in Canada here, like, the guy that I spoke with, he had no idea what PHP was. And, type, yeah. like, he literally, during the interview, asked me, well, I have a lot of roles for Java senior developer. Would you be able to do that? i like, no, like, yep. Java is not I, even written in my resume. Like what? The... Yes, yeah, so I've gotten those on LinkedIn
1: saying, like, oh, you'd be a great senior job or senior Python developer. I'm like, okay, I did Python for like a year back in 2010. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be a senior Python developer or like I've talked to people and I, I tell them like, oh yeah, you know, I, I worked in .NET for, you know, five years. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all right. You know, and they're like, um, well, have you ever done C Sharp? I'm like, oh, that's, pretty much what dot net is like <laughs> it's like the main language of it so yes and then like oh, okay and, or i tell them something like you know I, I my least favorite thing to work on is, is database like mm-hmm. I, I don't really like writing sql queries i just yeah. i just not interested in it and they're like okay well well what about uh what what about oracle I'm like that's a database like <laughs>
0: it's amazing like why these companies still trust Mm -hmm. recruiters that are not technically savvy to understand what they need it's yeah it's it's funny but it's even really stupid (laughs) but but whatever so we got hired both and we found Mm -hmm. the job that we like and we love are we are we are are you satisfied yeah are you happy
1: yeah yeah i'm real happy it's been a It's been a whirlwind of information thrown at me, and yeah. um, I'm sure it has been for you, too. Oh, <laughs> my God.
0: Yeah, I'm still getting shaked every time, like slapped in the face mm-hmm. by a new thing. I still haven't like scratched the surface of how big that software is. But yeah, yeah so pretty much everyone, it doesn't matter if you're junior, media level, senior, like... Things change, of course, when you step into a new role, especially if you're a senior, you have different responsibility and you have to learn different things, but everyone Mm -hmm. goes through the same process. And at the beginning, it's all like, it's really confusing and disorienting and you literally need to relearn and restart from scratch, especially from Mm -hmm. a human interaction point of view, which is the most complicated for me. But let's, get, like, let, let's try to identify all the steps that are necessary in order to get settled into a new job. Uh, first of all, I wrote in the list, like, find your space. That could be related to, like, physically, find your space. Like, find if you have to go to an office, you need to mm-hmm. get comfortable in your new desk and uh, in the office. But it's more generic in the fact you need to understand where you are and what you can do how much power quote unquote you have like decision mm-hmm. power and how much you can ask or demand or get asked about your job day to day which is really tricky at the beginning
1: it is yeah this is the first time i've been in a position where there's no one between me and like leadership ooh so it's kind of, i have a one on one meeting with our director once a week and and he'll ask me he's like do you need any software do you need anything we'll buy it and and he's like kind of he he manages like 20 different projects so he he really told me he's like you know i want you to tell me what you need and we'll get it done like um, so it's it's a really weird dynamic that i'm not used to yeah because i'm not used to telling people like this is what i think we should do and then we do it it's always been you know i've always had somebody else that's been you know, here's what we're gonna do. Here's what the project's gonna be, and mm-hmm. it's more of me actually kind of making decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a little uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's related to finding your space because you you need to understand like how much can you push it. Like if you have an mm-hmm. idea or you need a software, you need a tool. You need to understand like uh, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable because I just started, and do I really need these? Am I gonna ask for these or? Maybe I can find a cheaper solution or a solution that doesn't require any change, stuff like that. It's always, like, tricky to find the balance of mm-hmm. what you can ask or, yeah, like, and from that point of view, it's also related in finding your space on how to interact with the new team because mm-hmm. you don't want to be, like, a, a bomb that drops from the sky and it's like okay now we're gonna do as i say we're gonna change everything right. your workflow yeah. is shit we're gonna make it yeah so i've had managers do that all the time and past jobs where it's like yes. oh
1: we've got a new senior developer we've got a new manager and then they just change everything uh at one position you know we were doing uh like very agile style and then somebody came in they're like no more sprints we're like what why no they're they're not
0: effective i'm like We've been really effective for a yeah. year and now you showed up. <laughs> it's a really personal thing. And you, it's also this part is tricky because mm-hmm. as a personal experience, when I was junior and a new manager was stepping in, if the new manager was like, okay, we're going to change this. We're going to optimize this. We're going to have a new workflow because it's better. I was kind of like, yes, this is annoying because we need to relearn something. But mm-hmm. I kind of like, I had a respect, like a sort of like immediate respect for this person because he knew what he wanted to. And, Oh, this is a manager because he knows what he wants to do. He's in charge and right. he has clear ideas. Instead, I had experience with a new manager, or a newly developer. that was like, Oh yeah, no, I don't want to disrupt your environment. We're going to follow these. And then we're going to slowly, but you let me know what you think. Like it wasn't, I had the feeling that he wasn't really comfortable in the role of managing and yeah. making decisions so i had less respect for him <laughs> and i was feeling like okay i can do what i want because i i know more than him especially in this role mm-hmm. i know more than he does so it's it's really it's a weird balance of showing that you're in charge in a like senior role but not mm-hmm. being a dick basically <laughs> yeah yeah definitely how was your interaction with the the new team
1: So this is the first time I've been in a position where I'm not in like a development shop, like with other developers. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just me. And like when I'm in the office, I'm sitting next to the lady that does the marketing. And just the other day she was showing me some print design that she wanted my feedback on. And so I'm like, like, I've never done this before. (laughs) And then like the other lady sits on like the other side of my cube, like she's in like a public health relations and she's, you know, talking to the different hospitals and stuff and, so it's it's uh it's really weird being the only developer there, yeah um we we have plans later on down the road, probably hiring like a junior or mid level, but mm-hmm. for right now, it's just me, so um you know, my code reviews are done by the consultant who doesn't even work there, so they're right. all you know it's all just online, I'll never even talk about it mm-hmm. um, it's uh yeah, it's just and it, it is weird kind of figuring out where I am in the organization because everybody's kind of like a manager over something or a lead, but it's like, well, which one of us is over the other one? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really weird dynamic and it's, it's been hard to figure out. And, and they've been switching from all these third, you know, these outsourced companies to hiring. So it's like every time I go in the office, cause I only go in about once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a new person there and they're like, right. Oh, we just hired this person. It's like, like, oh man, like I, I'm I'm now one of the senior people here because there's been like six people hired after me.
0: <laughs> senior people with four weeks of experience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: they'll ask me like, oh, well, how do you do blah, blah, blah. I don't yeah, know. I'm, <laughs> I'm like still a- learning. <laughs> The FedEx guy will knock on the door and he's like, "Where is this person?" I'm like, I don't know. You can walk around and try to find him. <laughs> oh my god!
0: Yeah, I know. I I I've been in that situation where it was the only developer. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird, especially taking like making decisions, like coding mm-hmm. decisions. You you need sometimes someone to just, even if they're juniors, less experience, mm-hmm. or you're a junior and you're talking with a, a senior, even if it's not working on your same thing, you need someone to talk out loud your ideas and bounce ideas off and even if they don't give suggestions maybe you get better ideas just because you're talking about them and yeah because a
1: lot of times in these positions where and if unless you're working for like a shop that's like turning out websites for clients and stuff uh your projects last several years yeah exactly so it's like if you choose like a product that you know let's say you went you jumped on the vue bandwagon really yeah. early yeah. and let's say vue did not turn out to be as popular and great as it is yeah. then you've got to rewrite your system in something else because vue is no longer being maintained yeah um you know so it's yeah that that is a scary part is thinking well, what's going to last the next five years you
0: know yeah indeed yeah those are like absolutely real problems that everyone has especially in a senior role position uh my experience personal experience on interacting with this new team it's completely different from anything that i experienced before because like the biggest company i worked for back in italy we were like five developers Now, like Mozilla has hundreds of developers, the Thunderbird (laughs) team has 12 developers, and it's growing to 17, uh, and they're all around the world, majority in Europe, some in Australia, New Zealand, some in the United States, so it's all like really remote and kind of like disconnected, but has Mm -hmm. to be tightly connected from a code point of view, so... As soon as I started, it was really weird because I was I, I had a couple of tasks just to get used to the source code. So mm-hmm. I started fixing some small bugs and then my bug was getting reviewed by a guy by like the 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 one in charge of the coding review and it was getting approved. Then it was patched and implemented in the source code by another one, then shipped and scheduled for and the next uh, stable version release of Thunderbird by another guy. So for the first literally four months, I was learning the nicknames or like the, the user account names of all the people that I was interacting with just mm-hmm. from the code base workflow of reviewing, getting approved, and getting shipped. And Mozilla as a communication system uses still like IRC. And mm-hmm. I couldn't reconcile... Which person I was talking to Like who? who's the account Who's this guy that is approving my reviews And who's this Like who's the same guy in the IRC channel Because the nicknames were different So mm. it's, it's still like It feels really disconnected Because yes now I know That I can go to User123 That is in charge of the macOS version And if I have on an, an issue On macOS I can talk to him But mm. I don't know what's his name, what's his uh, stack, like who, like what's his skill level, what's his role, like who is he? He's a project manager, he's another developer, I don't know. <laughs> so it's it's really optimized from a point of view, but it's really weird because it's, everything It's remote and everyone's working on their right. own things uh, from another point of view. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's been like a couple of months and I'm starting to associate yeah. real names with usernames finally and uh, it's getting more comfortable but yeah it's it's a weird experience being completely remote yeah and doing everything with a sort of like automatic workflow of yeah everything through different tools and it mm-hmm. was it was really interesting uh, a bit i would say better from um, anxiety point of view because okay, you mess something up and you don't have a face-to-face review of someone They (laughs) say, oh, this is wrong. Why you did this? This is like why you wrote something this stupid. Like sometimes I did it. I wrote something really stupid. Uh, But from the other point of view is kind of like, it would be better to have someone close by that you can just ask a simple question and that's Mm -hmm. it. Instead, especially from the other part of the world, like sometimes I... Write an email with a bunch of questions, and I wait an entire day for an answer. Then right. I get the answer, and it's not what I was looking for. So I I write another answer. I need to wait another day. It's mm. yeah, it feels a little bit disconnected, but I'm getting used to it. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, because I, I worked fully remote for the last four years, but my teams were always in Eastern and Central Time in the U.S. So yeah. there was only ever like a one-hour difference. So I've I've never had to experience you know, waiting for somebody who is, you know, 12 hour difference yeah. away. And
0: yeah, so I was listening sometimes on IRC, it's 5pm and I'm ready to shut down things. And I, I mm-hmm. submitted my last patch and then people show up online. Hey, good morning, everyone. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they start asking you questions. Like, why do you, why this patch is like that? Do I have to ship this? Do you have to fix this? I'm like, uh, I, it's, it's 6pm. I have to go. <laughs> I can't ask. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah like that um what about and these you can like mostly relate to this because you mm-hmm. basically completely changed stack from your previous job before it was php Laravel, yeah. and javascript mm-hmm. now it's c sharp and asp net right so how do yeah. you get used to this type of drastic stack change
1: uh so i really enjoy changing i i get bored pretty easily with with one thing so i always like to you know play with new frameworks and languages and just kind of do it for just for fun. So yeah. um, it was definitely a big change jumping into it, like, you know, eight hours a day doing it. Um, and also my work computer now is, is a Mac. They, they gave me a, a MacBook pro, which oh. um, yeah, just the keyboard alone has, I'm still struggling with that. Yeah, because... It's a terrible, right? Is that one of the yeah.
0: recent, like super flat?
1: Yes. It's one of the newer, I think it's a 2018 MacBook pro. Hmm um yeah so it's like i don't like the touch bar it's got a few nice features for like quickly changing volume or screen brightness but other than that like i miss my escape key and my f keys yes. um, <laughs> having the whole like function key and then like the control and the option and then then the command and it's the muscle memory is just completely different yeah. so um getting used to that has been difficult (laughs) so at home i realized that i can do all my development on my own machines Mm -hmm. so i'm running elementary os with a a regular keyboard and i'm enjoying that and then when i'm in the office i i on my macbook with a external monitor and it's okay for the the day and a half i'm there a week yeah (laughs) but uh yeah no jumping back into c sharp um you know it's been a while since i've done it so i was like oh it'll be like you know i've never even left because it's been about two years since i've done development Mm -hmm. but man two years things change a lot oh yeah uh so yeah it's been a bit interesting to uh (laughs) see what's changed in two years and just be thrown into it um, the other thing I'm trying to learn is AWS because I've I've never worked with AWS before. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this week we're actually since we're getting close to launching our product for the first time, uh, we're actually going to be building out our production environment on AWS. So that's nice. going to be a, a huge learning and learning experience
0: for that. Yeah, no, feel free to ask any question if you need that because I, I did it at Ritual uh, managing okay. AWS and oh great i did also uh th- there are a lot of like free courses online for w- aws like free certifications something like that you can definitely do that okay um, yeah i'll check that out yeah those are those are great actually and aws is like this is a monolith it's massive like
1: yes Jesus. yeah it's like you go to like oh select a feature and this this big mega menu opens up with like 40 things to go to and it's like I don't
0: I just, I just want to create a database. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. yeah, no, it's it's really complicated at the beginning. It feels like hyper convoluted. Mm-hmm. Uh from my point of view, I I feel I feel kind of like the opposite. Now I'm scared that I'm gonna forget Laravel because I've been working mm-hmm. with Laravel for three years straight, and now I mm-hmm. switched to uh Thunderbird, that is uh, C and JavaScript. Uh, the 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 front end it's it's built on javascript and custom elements and vanilla javascript mostly es6 and then the back end it's mostly c but we don't touch that that much because it's pretty stable and managed by mozilla and mm-hmm. i'm not doing laravel anymore and that was right. it, it feels kind of a shock because yeah I, i'm afraid like especially the development of laravel it's so fast and it changes so drastically mm-hmm. every like taylor otwell never stops in releasing new things I'm terrified yeah. that in a year or two I will not know how to code in Laravel anymore. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh <laughs> damn! Yeah,
1: I, I still try to keep up with it, like on Twitter. Uh, you know, I'm really interested to see what comes out of the uh, Laracon this
0: year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sad I'm missing it because I want to
1: know what this, this Steam thing is that oh, yeah. Taylor keep teasing everybody with.
0: Yeah, but yeah, no. In terms of like learning the workflow and the the tools, like the tools was really simple because, uh, especially. Uh, like Mozilla since it's open source everything is open source like they don't impose you anything they have their linter and their uh, code fixer and everything but you can use your operating system of preference especially it's it's multi-platform so it's good for them if you're using Windows or Linux or Mac OS so you have more coverage of whatever Mm. you want to code and uh, tools, they don't pretend you to use their own tools. You can use the, your favorite code editor. Oh, nice. Um, in terms of the workflow, that was kind of hard because as I said before, it's all, uh, there's an issue, go on Bugzilla, check the bug name and assign it to yourself and then double check mm-hmm. which you the, the, the lead developer of the section. There are like these, owner, like these developers called module owners which are literally like the lead of a specific section. So there's the module owner of the email component, the module owner of the calendar, the module owner of the front-end, the UI, the module owner of the back-end. <laughs> and depending on the bug, you need the approval from the module owner of that specific section where the bug was reported. <laughs> so it's, yeah, and there are like a million different people. <laughs> and so the workflow was really, yeah, challenging getting into it. And sometimes I'm still like going into the chat hey Mm -hmm. who do i ask for this like who's the person should i bother for this like i still don't remember i can't i can't reconcile which one is which but it's um it's a drastically different workflow i think from everything else i don't know how things are working out like are done in similar companies like google like really big companies mm-hmm. where they have big projects where a lot of developers work in completely remotely. So I don't know if they do the same or it's completely different, but yeah, it was, it was a really interesting uh, learning curve. It was really, really steep. <laughs> uh, one interesting thing that I never did, they have a tri-server where you can push your code before uh, getting the approval for your patch. So if you have a patch, You literally have to download the entire source code or everything and you apply your patch, see if you have any uh, merging issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you ship it to a tri-server that depending on your keywords that you ship with your message, it builds on the server, the Thunderbird version for Mozilla, for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, and it runs all the tests. Mm. And it's brutal because it takes up to <laughs> two hours to build everything. Oh, wow. So, literally, you have a patch that it's, I don't know, 100 lines of code. Before getting approved, you need to ship it to the try server, wait. And if you have an error, you need to fix that error and push again to the try server until everything is green. And wow. so, sometimes to fix a patch, of like a couple of bugs or anything is just takes like two entire days because just push and wait push and wait
1: that's interesting because i've you know i've always wondered when you know there's like a a bug on one of these you know major websites or something why it takes so long to get fixed and I, i wonder if it's a similar process where they're just you know it may be a small fix but they have to really check everything and make sure everything's working and
0: yeah, especially if we're talking mm-hmm. about multi-platform software, mm-hmm. right? That has yeah. to run like... I, it happened to me, because I'm not used to this, but it happened a lot that I created a patch for an issue on Linux and I broke something on macOS. So oh. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> so I need to <laughs> test it, I need to create that specific patch with like conditions only if the operating system is the one that I'm expecting to and all this kind of stuff. But... I guess it's the only way, especially in this try server while it compiles also, it checks your code syntax and it applies some linters and mm-hmm. it just to keep everything consistent. I, I think it's the only way to be sure that the source code is consistent. It doesn't matter who's mm-hmm. working with. And also the test, like everything it's covered. It's almost like 100% test coverage. Wow, that's incredible. It, it takes oh my god just for to run tests it takes like 45 minutes to if you want to <laughs> run every test that they they created and it, when you do a patch also you need to update the test to cover that patch or create the test to cover the patch that if you implemented something new so mm. it's a really strict project but I, I i think it's good because it prevents you to ship like random bugs just because you weren't careful
1: right yeah definitely that's good that they that they do that though because a lot of companies are are more about just shipping first and then
0: we'll we might get to test later yeah
1: (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty (laughs)
0: terrible yeah yeah (laughs) um so the last point here and it's something that i struggle with a lot and that's why probably i got bronchitis when i started working for (laughs) mozilla is the fear of not doing enough do you have that yeah i think this is kind of what happens after the imposter syndrome like at
1: first you get offered the job and you accept and you're like oh i'm not gonna be good enough they're they're gonna see right through me yeah it's terrible and then you get there, and then I don't. know, I just I always feel like, especially in those first few months, that I have to prove myself. Like, you know, I yeah. I do know what I'm talking about. I, I do know what I'm doing. Yeah. So you know, it's like I do my work during the day, and then at night I'm like on my phone reading articles about stuff that I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that, or yeah. how, how do I test this, or you know, and so then it's like the next day I'm like, okay, now I got to try to do what I what I read last night, and, and like even today, like uh, my wife had to to work, so I went into the office with her and I brought my laptop and I spent about an hour and a half like trying to figure out some integration tests and um you know because it's just like oh, I just I want to look good when the next time I you know meet with this other developer or whatever and so yeah I, I definitely have that what about you oh yeah
0: 100% yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live in fear of everything especially this yeah no is the is the fear of like the people that they hired you having regrets about you because you You're Mm -hmm. not doing enough. You're like, oh, probably during the weekly meeting, I should, I want to show off like, oh, I did this and I fixed this and implemented this new thing. And I found Mm -hmm. this new bug and all this kind of like, you want to, you want to show them that they made the right choice, the right decision in hiring you and not make them regret. That's, that's the thing, but. It's it's always like it's always hard to to slow down, but it happens kind of like naturally after a while. And it's it's the same for me as well. Like it it takes me it takes probably a couple of months, two or three months to get settled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And after that, you realize the pace of the rest of the team and it's better to do. Think slowly and be careful and and be thorough instead of just pushing and going as fast Mm -hmm. as possible just to show off but it's it's kind of normal especially yeah you you want to you want to show that you're worth it and they yeah they took the right decision in hiring you it's i don't know how to how to battle that i have no idea i always fail yeah, I, I wish I had
1: the answer because I'm I'm the exact same way. I'm always worried about
0: you know like oh well in the first ninety days they can
1: fire me without any reason. and yeah. you know it's the probationary period. Like I gotta I gotta look good.
0: Yeah, I gotta so. push it. I gotta push it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yes, and then get sick. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a, a sweet question related to both of us from our audience mm. from our dear friend Lawrence Bahirwa. Omuki Omuki guy on Twitter that probably we could like safely say that he's our number one fan in the world. I think so, yeah, yeah definitely, that's yeah. Okay, we're gonna send you a t shirt. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I need to do that. Yeah, I need to send you yeah. a t shirt, uh, and to you too, Chris. I need to send you a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, so his question is, how do you adjust new job and personal projects? Mm-hmm. Mm, do you want to go with that?
1: Yeah. So uh, going on with the last one about you know really pushing myself to you know pick up on all the things i've missed in the last two years and prove myself uh this has definitely affected my personal projects um (laughs) i've not done a whole lot of work on on the co-stage project Mm -hmm. um so you know i I feel like that's starting to change now that i feel a little more comfortable with my role but yeah it's kind of like you get a new job and a new job is like number one priority on everything and Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's, it's tough to, uh, to kind of balance that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And same for me, like everything goes into the bin whenever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) into the toilet, whenever I I change job, all my personal schedules and my work-life balance, everything goes, goes away because there, it's a different priority that you Mm -hmm. realize that's your main source of income. And that's what you need to do in order to survive. And you don't want to go through the process of finding a new job if this one doesn't go through. Oh, yeah. So all your, like, hobbies and other things that are not really necessary, like making videos or coding your applications or other things, it's just like uh, they they don't have a priority anymore. They're just on... uh, on a back shelf and slowly you're gonna get used to it but there's always that adjustment period of two three months where you cannot pretend to keep your schedule as it was before with your previous mm-hmm. job that you've been into for two years it's never gonna happen so you just need to at least for me but probably there's someone out there that is a superhuman that can do that can deal with that <laughs> but probably for us it's just uh, i'm too tired or i'm I'm too focused on actually doing a good job in my new role mm-hmm. than spending time on personal projects so yeah so, definitely yeah well i think we're at the end of this beautiful episode probably we mm-hmm. cover pretty much all the struggles and everything that is terrible yeah. about like Finding a new job and starting a new job, it's an amazing experience and it's it's rewarding, it's challenging, it's from like, it's a really positive challenge. But of course, there are like some weird and not really pleasant things that you need to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, yeah, it's normal. So hopefully this list helped someone to yeah. figure things out. Um, I have a couple of recommendations for our users before, uh, for our listeners before concluding, which are, I'm just like shouting the competition, but uh, two, two great podcasts here. Uh, the first one, I think I mentioned before this podcast called Grumpy Old Geeks. And Mm -hmm. you can find it at the website GOG.show. These guys are amazing, are like grumpy old geeks. That's the the explanation of what they do. And they talk about technology from like a security point of view. They talk about all the major fuck-ups that happened in the technology. (laughs) They talk a lot about Facebook or like these big companies, what they are doing with the money. It's really insightful and makes you realize how this internet world is not as pretty as we think it is. It's it's really right. great. And the other one is Zigzag Podcast, which is a podcast founded by two incredible women that are talking about technology and innovation, but also from a more human point of view, how to adapt to this crazy environment. And uh, if you have an idea, you don't have to be a unicorn startup that has to raise a million dollars. You can be mm-hmm. eco-friendly, environmentally and all these like really really interesting things. So really highly suggested podcasts. Nice. Do you have any recommendation for our audience? Nope. no
1: nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've been too busy to even listen. To I podcasts. know. I need to start doing that again. <laughs>
0: um, I know. I know. Yeah. I I get bored when I walk my dog, so I need to. I I, I need oh, yeah, something. yeah, so It's it's really like anti-social practice because sometimes I'm walking and people they talk to me. And they say, Oh, mm. that's a cute dog, what's his name? And I don't even look at them because I'm listening <laughs> to a boy. But I have a like a took, I have a hat that covers my ear. So uh, they so don't they see, see my earbuds. Hat, my earbuds. <laughs> so I yeah, I look like a, a douchebag that doesn't want to answer people <laughs> <laughs> just it's it's not really great. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, as usual, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Nerd Continuity. And if you want to send us a message, just right there, tweet us, send us a direct message. And where can people find you, Chris?
1: Uh, you can find me on chrisperco.net. You can find me on Twitter at chrisjperco. And you can find me on YouTube, which I'm sure there'll be a link in the description.
0: Absolutely. And looking forward to your C Sharp and ASP.NET series. That's going to be really fantastic, I'm sure. And thank you so much for listening. Until the next episode, as usual, happy coding. Let's wait for Chris. Ciao.